Two days ago, I saw a vehicle that had hauled that tanker. You want to get out of here? You talk to me. minute where it's yeah same to you buddy in mad max 2 the road warrior one minute at a time i'm rick and i'm julia and today we're talking about minute 87 which begins with the snake truck getting caught up in the tanker and it ends with max throwing the rig's weight around one of the last things we saw yesterday was the snake truck coming up and shooting the tires on the tanker and almost immediately after shooting those tires we had a quick shot of the rig starting to shake as those pop tires on the tanker start to drag but then we see the snake truck just get a little too close to that tanker and they get a little caught up underneath there and i feel like these snake truck guys are doing a real top-notch bang-up job when it comes to being aggressive raiders here they are being very mobile they are taking full advantage of the arsenal that they've put onto that vehicle and they really don't want to ruin that by just getting in the way of the wheels or wrecking their vehicle or anything like that take a little step back give yourself some distance you're a ranged weapon after all yeah you're right now that you pointed out they have been extremely effective throughout this entire battle Mm-hmm. Just think about all the things that have been done from that truck. Delivered Wes. Mm-hmm. Took out the door. It did all sorts of stuff. Yep. It has been really good. You know, it's kind of nice to see, whether good guys or bad guys, a good weapon used well. Exactly. A competent team working together, utilizing their resources, and getting results. Yeah. It's very gratifying to see, even if they are trying to murder the hero of our story. Right. Like is often said, they don't know they're the bad guy. Right. All they care about is stopping the rig because that's what their boss wants them to do. Right. If you had to give out an MVP award as the Humongous to a member of the Horde during this chase, assuming in this scenario that all of the raiders survive and they're able to stop the tanker, who do you (laughs) feel was the most effective raider? It would definitely be a driver, not someone who mans weapons. I would put it either at the driver of the Falcon, who got shot and died, but, you know, say he lived. Mm -hmm. I would put it either at the driver of the Falcon Or the driver of the snake truck. I agree when you say the driver of the snake truck because he was able to get to the driver's side of the tanker and help rip off the door. He was able to move back around the end of the tanker and get to the other side and just go all up and down the length of that thing. And they're just shooting out tires left and right. And they're also the ones that in this minute take out the gyro captain. Mm-hmm. I mean, that alone is really impressive. Which it, it is. And very helpful because the gyro captain comes very, very close to taking out Humongous in one action. Yeah. <laughs> so you do not want him to be able to have another chance at it. Exactly. Speaking of the gyro captain, the next shot we get after the snake truck gets a little crunched and then swerves out of the way is a nice low tracking shot behind all of the vehicles of the horde as the gyro captain is flying above them as we go along. So we're able to see where the gyro captain is as we catch up with the Lord Humongous, who is just 
speeding along, keeping pace with the tanker. It's another instance where we get to see dirt falling out of the bottom of the tanker. Real quick, before you move on with the scene, I have a question about that. I Again, like yesterday, I didn't notice the dirt falling out of the tanker. Was Humongous in a position where he could have seen that? I feel like he was in a position where he could possibly have seen it. But I don't believe he did because of the hockey mask and the neck brace. Right. I don't look at him and think, oh, he's got an amazing ability to notice things to either side, above, or below him. Yeah. I think he's kind of locked into that one angle. I ask because do you think if he had seen it, how do you think he would have handled it? I'm willing to bet that if the Humongous saw that there was only dirt coming out of that tanker, he would have continued pursuing because now it's not so much, I want your oil. It's a, you tried to trick me. And now it's a pride thing. It's not a commodity thing anymore. It's a, you tried to make a fool of me. You more or less made a fool of me. And now I'm going to just murder you. Okay. I like that. Speaking of murdering someone, Humongous reaches back, pulls out another one of those tridents, and we get a quick shot of Max looking back to his right so that he can see that Humongous is advancing on him. And Humongous is there, trident raised, he's ready to throw it at Max. I am fully convinced that if Humongous had been allowed, because something is going to happen to stop him, but if Humongous had been allowed to get on par with Max and throw that trident into the truck like he was probably planning on, probably would have just taken Max's head clean off. I believe he could have done that, yeah. Like if his accuracy throwing forward and around an obstacle is that good, having such a clear shot would be child's play. But we can count on the gyro captain coming to save the day when Max needs him the most. Mm hmm. Because the gyro captain flies in above Humongous, and then we get a quick shot of the gyro captain holding a Molotov and just tossing it downwards. And then the gyrocopter flies away, and Humongous just catches on fire like everywhere. I'm glad that we have a little insert shot of the gyro captain tossing that Molotov because if you notice on the approach and on the pass and flyaway, Jerry Goodwin, the production pilot, is not holding any sort of flaming bottle because he's busy actually driving the auto gyro. So without that little insert shot, it just would have been Jerry flying over the Humongous and the Humongous exploding with no context. Right. As for the Lord Humongous's truck more or less exploding in flame. I did a little frame by frame how I like to do, and I noticed that there were, I'd say, round about five different little flame pots that they put around that vehicle. They did one on each of the front fenders, one over to Humongous's left down on the step, one on the back behind the big tanks, and one on top of the fender. And so they all flare up at once. There's big flash of flame, and then the whole thing just gets engulfed with smoke. Thick, white, puffy smoke. That definitely seems excessive to how a Molotov would really behave. <laughs> yeah. One Molotov doing all of that is asking a bit much. Yeah, I will gladly buy a spreading or splashing flame effect because once that glass breaks and the fuel inside flies everywhere, that's what's going to happen. But this is just way too, over the entire vehicle, it's just way too spread out. You know something that would have been cool? <laughs> this is really dark. Is if the scouts had caught on fire. Oh, 
And then you've just got these two flaming bodies at the front of yeah. the truck. It would have created an interesting situation because it would have been probably really thick black smoke. And it would have obscured the Lord Humongous's vision. So he would have had to pull over to pull the bodies off so that he'd be able to see again. Yes, he would have. And in fact, he does pull over. Mm-hmm. And several of the Marauders pull over with him to help him put out the flames and it's not tomorrow but it's by the end of this week that we see the end of humongous and we see his truck again and i'm very curious to notice if the scouts are still there or if they have been removed Mm. because they did catch on fire and (laughs) needed to be removed he does it a maneuver that i'm not going to say is the vehicular equivalent of stop drop and roll but he does brake heavily pull back go off to the side of the road because not only have flames covered his car but flames have also more or less covered him and he was wearing this big old furry vest at the time so he had some protection and a little bit of a peek behind the scenes in all of these wide shots before and after the smoke and fire effects happen you can see that the stuntman driving the lord humongous's truck is a smaller than humongous and b wearing protective coverings so that he can be in the midst of all of this fire. Right. Did it seem remarkably responsible to you that Humongous, like, slowed down, pulled over to the side of the road to take care of the flames? (laughs) I don't know what it is, but it seems so like that's what I would do if my car were on fire. I would slow down, pull over to the side of the road, and take care of it. It's one of those situations where if the Lord Humongous's truck had indicators, he would have put on his indicator. Yes. Put on his hazards. Yeah. Pull over to the side. Hold on, guys. I got to take care of this. And I'll catch up with you later. He doesn't really even have to say that because there are so many other members of the Horde that just stop when he stops. Yes. Like his specific entourage. This is another example of Humongous having some kind of plan, it seems, and not necessarily communicating that plan to other people that we see, but they just do what he needs them to do without instruction. I think they just have a running order. Like, don't try and do your own thing, just stick with me type of order. Oh, you think they had like an overall plan? Like, these are the people who stick with me. These are the people who stick with our targets no matter what. Yeah, I think they have a more or less football game plan where they've got circles and arrows and X's like you're part of team tanker and you're part of team humongous and you are team lone wolf like you all have your assignments of who you're going to stick with and we'll just all work in tandem okay i mean he likes to draw in the dirt and make little plans that way so it only makes sense okay one detail that i skipped over and i definitely want to go back to after the molotov explodes on the lord humongous's truck we get another a side shot to the gyro captain and he makes a rather rude gesture back towards the humongous yes he does and as a quick aside i was on the auto gyro page on the mad max wikia and they have a photo down at the bottom of this close-up auto gyro that they used in the movie here and there is a separate motor down at the bottom of the auto gyro out of camera view that just goes up that main shaft to power the top rotor so back however many episodes ago when we were wondering oh is it a big production fan is it just wired differently it's you know separate motor down below 
question answered. But I got real caught up on this rude gesture because I wasn't quite sure what it was called. Like, it means the same thing as giving someone the finger or flashing the V or whatever British people call it. And turns out there is an entire Wikipedia page all about it. And it is a French term called a bras d'honneur. I took four years of French. You wouldn't be able to tell it by my pronunciation, but it is more or less the arm of honor, also known as the Iberian slap or the Italian salute. It is an obscene gesture most common in France, Spain, Italy, Georgia, Portugal, Turkey, Latin America, and in parts of Scotland. To make the gesture, an arm is bent in an L shape with the fist pointing upwards the other hand then grips the bicep of the bent arm as it is emphatically raised to a vertical position. It has the same meaning as giving the finger, known as le doigt d'honneur, or the finger of honor, though it frequently connotes the expression up yours. Occasionally, the middle finger of the bent arm is raised for added emphasis. <laughs> okay. There is a whole list of international nomenclature for this gesture. Would you like to hear some? Oh, yes, I would. In Brazil, the gesture is known as a banana and carries the same connotation. It can also be used to denote disrespectfully ignoring what someone just said, analogous in meaning to the American expression, I don't give a f***. <laughs> in Catalonia, the gesture is called a botafara, the name of a local sausage specifically. In Mexico, the gesture is known as a mentada de madre, an insult to someone's mother and means an insult directed towards the mother of the offended, though it can be done with a single hand. In Italy, the gesture is often referred to as gesto dell'ombrello, meaning literally umbrella gesture. Its most famous occurrence in Italian cinema is in Federico Fellini's Vitelloni in 1953, where the idler, played by Alberto Sordi, jeers at a group of workmen combining this gesture with a raspberry. And by raspberry, I mean when you stick your tongue and do the... Yeah. <laughs> in Croatia, the gesture is known as a Bosanski Gerb, the Bosnian coat of arms, after the territorial coat of arms of Bosnia during the Austro-Hungarian reign. That is somewhat similar to the actual gesture. In Poland, and this is a fun one because it's Polish, <laughs> the gesture is known as Wal or Gest Kozakieskwiksa, which I'm pretty sure if you play that backwards, it'll say something weird. <laughs> after Vladislav Kozak <laughs> famously displayed the gesture after winning the gold medal in the pole vault at the 1980 Summer Olympics in front of a hostile crowd in Moscow, Russia. This coincided with the rise of the Solidarity Union in Poland in 1980. Okay. Yep. There's also an extensive in popular culture section on the Wikipedia page. Oh, I'll bet there is. I actually had to add this instance in the Road Warrior to the list. So I had to go and I had to sign up for an account on Wikipedia and go in, type it in, make sure it was there. So we got that. Notable instances include an appearance in the musical West Side Story, performances of the song G. Officer Krupke, and with the entire Jets gang giving the audience the bras d'honneur while singing the final line. In the film adaptation of the musical Grease, Rizzo makes this gesture towards Vince Fontaine after being eliminated from the dance contest. In the movie Spaceballs, the Spaceballs 
salute involves giving the bras donor and then opening the fist to wave at the salute. In the movie Midnight Cowboy, the character Enrico Salvatore, played by Dustin Hoffman, gives a taxi driver the gesture during the famous I'm walking here scene while crossing the road. There's an instance of it in the James Bond movie Goldeneye, where Irina, played by Minnie Driver, is singing Stand By Your Man rather badly and makes the gesture yeah. to Valentin Dmitrovich Zukovsky, played by Robbie Coltrane, good old Hagrid himself. Oh my gosh, I'm going to have that song stuck in my head in her voice, singing it badly. Yep. It's in response to him telling her to take a hike after Bond remarks, who's strangling the cat? <laughs> In the film Jaws, Matt Hooper gives Quint the bras donor after he tells Hooper, well, it proves one thing, Mr. Hooper. It proves that you wealthy college boys don't have the education enough to admit when you're wrong. There are also other instances in Dodgeball, a true underdog story, Mean Girls, Avita, several video games, including Grand Theft Auto and Metal Gear Solid 3, and probably the most surprising entrance that I was able to find on the racing video game Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. The Inkling Girl character makes this gesture after hitting someone with an item. On May 17th, 2017, this was removed and replaced with a simple fist pump in a version 1.1 update when Nintendo discovered that it was an obscene gesture in Europe. Wow, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so I take it in Japan, it's not an obscene gesture. I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. It is technically a French gesture at its core. Okay. Getting back to the minute. Getting back into the minute, Max leans into the cab once again, and he's looking up towards where the gyro captain is supposed to be. And as the gyro captain banks around to make another pass, we see that the raider on the turret of the snake truck is following the gyro captain. And as he passes out in front of the truck, the snake truck raider fires his arrows up towards the gyrocopter. And it is the second instance in two days that we hear just the most strange little sound effect. For these arrows. It's like pew pew, space lasers. Sounds like Star Wars. It really does. It's not a sound that you would expect to hear from an air-powered arrow gun. No. And this isn't the first time that we've heard this particular gun go off. I don't recall hearing this noise in previous times. Not that I can think of, at least. Yeah. As the snake truck fires arrows at the gyrocopter, we get a nice close-up shot of the gyrocopter's engine as arrows pierce the engine, which boggles my mind how arrows would pierce the engine like that, causes it to spark, and things just start going haywire. There is a very subtle cut at 26 seconds, 16 frames, when the engine starts to spark. After that cut, the arrows disappear from the shot, but you don't necessarily notice it because of the movement of the camera. Because over the course of this shot, close up on the engine, the camera starts centered and then whips upwards and to the right so that it looks like the gyro captain is falling down out of frame. So it's very difficult to see it as you're watching it normal, but frame by frame is different. One thing that really stands out that's very easy to see is that the gyro captain has been replaced by a dummy in this shot because they probably didn't want to fire actual arrows at their actor. Right. That, I mean, that only makes sense. Mm -hmm. I have to admit, I don't have much to contribute for the sequence of the crash because I think it was poorly edited. It's a long sequence. And there's nothing interesting in there for me. Yeah, it's, it's long, it's poorly edited, and I, it's not feeling it. If you include the shot where the arrows go into the engine, there are five cuts between starting on that engine and seeing the gyrocopter finally fall out of the sky. 
We start with the close-up of the engine. We get a cut to a medium close-up of the gyro captain freaking out as he starts to crash. We get two cuts of the gyrocopter at a distance, descending rapidly, first at a more gradual angle, then at one more steep. We get another cut of the gyrocaptain continuing to panic, and then finally we get one of the gyrocopter finally just falling out of the sky. It takes a solid seven seconds between the sparks and the gyrocopter hitting the ground for this thing to crash. It's very drawn out. Seven seconds where this movie lost my interest. Mm Mm-hmm. It was just goofy, but not in a great way. No, I agree. And of course, me being me, I have another issue with the crash. The gyrocaptain should have been able to glide that gyrocopter down to the ground. Because even without the engine pushing him forward, he should have had enough practice with the machine to bring it down to the ground. And yeah, it would have been a fast landing and it would have jostled him around and maybe even thrown him out, but he wouldn't have dropped like a rock the way he did. And the reason they dropped him the way they did is because it's the crashable gyrocopter with a dummy placed on it and they just dropped it from a crane and let it fall. Right. And for the story, they needed the copter to be disabled. Right. One thing that's kind of obvious when you watch this is that this isn't the first time they dropped that gyrocopter. Because (laughs) one of the rotors is completely bent in half from an earlier drop. Yes. It makes sense that they wouldn't have a ton of extra rotors on hand because that's an odd thing to have just lying around. But even so, when you're looking at the machine and one of the rotors is just completely bent down and in half, it's just, mm, it stands out so much and just looks so silly. So with the gyrocopter disabled, Humongous stopped on the side of the road taking care of the flames, Max takes this opportunity to reach behind him and instead of continuing to fight Bear Claw Mohawk, he grabs the feral child and drags him back into the cab. It's his dad instincts kicking in because it's not safe to be outside the cab of the rig with people throwing tridents around. I also think that he already has the plan in his head for what he's going to do tomorrow. Mm Mm-hmm. And with that maneuver that he's going to pull off outside the cab, it's a very unsafe place to be. Yeah, it's going to be one of those things where you aren't being held in by a door. Yeah, it, it gets rough. You might get flung. And then once the feral child's back inside, he takes Max's shotgun, holding it by the barrel, mm-hmm. and hammering Bear Claw's hand with the butt of the gun. It's kind of cartoonish. Oh, absolutely. It's so goofy. Which is a shame, because he could be really hurting Bearclaw. Oh, absolutely. If he actually did it with gusto and really slammed his hand with the butt of that gun, it would really, really hurt. Mm -hmm. And he could do a lot of good. But no, he's standing like real close to it, like hammering, like a kid hammering on a toy nail with a toy hammer. Yeah. One of the last things that Max does this minute is he starts turning the wheel in order to sideswipe another Raider vehicle that has come up on the driver's side to replace the Lord Humongous. It's a red Murano. Another red car. For some reason, they just love the color red. They must have knocked over a red paint store or something like that. (laughs) But yeah, he swerves, really just crunches up this Murano that's coming up on the right side. And he's going to turn this maneuver that he's doing now into something a bit more grandiose tomorrow. So Mm -hmm. we'll talk about that when we get to it. The Mad Max Minute podcast is a fan project by Rick and Julia Ingham. The Mad Max franchise was created by George Miller and Byron Kennedy. 
and presented by Warner Brothers Pictures in association with Village Roadshow Pictures. Mad Max Minute is produced and edited by Rick Ingham. Our opening music is by Daniel Batista of DanielBatista.com. You can follow Mad Max Minute on Twitter at Mad Max Minute, on Facebook at Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone, and at MadMaxMinute.com. And finally, if you would like to contribute to the podcast, visit MadMaxMinute.com, click on the support link at the top of the page, and check out our Patreon to help us keep the tanks full. Thank you for joining us for Minute 87 of The Road Warrior. See you tomorrow.